Hello, we've been expecting you. I'd like to welcome you to Thoughts from Atwu, the Avatar podcast where we know the future. Today on my panel, I have Charles. Hello. And Lindsay. Hi. Today we will be discussing book two, episode six, The, the Blind, Blind Bandit. Bandit. Yay! One of the most anticipated episodes, <laughs> one of the just most iconic episodes because of the appearance of a really incredible character and just a million things that we want to talk about. So tough. we will, yes, talk quite a bit. Tough, so tough, usually tough. we start these off with our initial thoughts. But before that, I actually wanted to have a quick second to talk about something that I'm not going to really consider part of the episode. And as a result, my complaints in this section don't really bear on the episode. And they're more about complaints about television as a whole, but it's something I want to say, and I just want to say it. So this is the first episode that I really noticed the previously on Avatar playing a pretty major role Mm -hmm. in what I think that has become a major problem in essentially spoiling an episode, where if you watch the previously on, you can be like, oh, so this is going to be the episode about how Aang finds, figures out who that girl is and figures out who his earthbending teacher is like it's very it's a little too heavy-handed and avatar is not terrible with this although sometimes it can be um i know that there's another moment where like there'll be a previously on it'll be like oh where's suki they like they reshow the scene where Sokka talks to to the the mayor of um of kiyoshi island and you're like why would he ask about that and then suki shows up in that episode and it's a little bit like it's one of those things that when you I've watched shows a lot. You can start to really hone in on. And I've noticed it as just a really major problem in TV now. Game of Thrones is just an absolute massive <laughs> problem with this. I know that you guys both don't watch Game of Thrones. But there are just moments where I, I, I just feel like it almost spoils an episode with how much information is given. Mm-hmm. And I almost recommend when you're watching shows... Just ignore it. Now, on a rewatch, it doesn't matter anymore. We, you know, we're rewatching it. It's completely different. Um, but when watching it for the first time, I, I almost like really think just it, it, do your best to skip the previously ons. And I, I do think Avatar suffers from it a little bit. And it was the first time I, I really noticed it here. And so I just wanted to get that out of the way. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think really it's so interesting because they almost never use that type of thing as like previously on, really. Like, I think this is, is this, like, the first episode that we've really watched that it has it on? I think I, we've I, had I, a few, we've definitely had a few in the, uh, in, like, the two-parters and, and a few, like, yeah, it does happen I, as we get later on, it, they, yeah, it does come more Yeah, more so more, later but. on, but especially, I think this is really, like, the first time, like, that I at least can recall them having the, like, previously on, and I even remember... Um, when I was watching this earlier and they came on I was like wait what like because I'm just not used to it you know what I mean I'm just used to the introduction yeah. and going straight in so I definitely do agree with you is that um the the inclusion of the previously on I, I think it was something that wasn't necessarily needed because yeah it's just it's so sparingly used it's like not a common thing in the whole series so it just kind of felt yeah. very weird to me yeah. So, um, 
Now, with that out of the way, now let's talk about our initial thoughts on the episode. I, I want to get that away, and like I said, I'm not going to base anything about my feelings on this episode based on that complaint. I just wanted to, to say it. Um, so now we'll get with our initial thoughts. So, Lindsay, why don't you give us your initial thoughts on The Blind Bandit? The Boulder loves this episode. Um, really? And I don't so, think he did. And so do I. Think I think the Boulder had some issues Listen, with this episode. Listen, everyone has issues in life, okay, Mark? It's not his fault. But, so, I definitely love this episode, and I think I honestly forgot how much I liked it until I was re-watching it, and just all of my love for it just came rushing back at me. I think it's such a great way of introducing Toph to the audience. And it shows her it because that the whole um, contrast of Toph Beifong is so intriguing in the fact of yes, she's blind and she's the daughter of the wealthiest people in the entire Earth Nation, basically. And so she has this outward persona of being like the gentle, loving, like dutiful daughter, but at the same time, she's a total badass, and she also wants to do what she knows is right and what she wants like she wants freedom and i think it's such an interesting character really and her interaction with the whole group already even in this episode of her just getting introduced it it just sets it up so amazingly for the rest of the rest of the entire show i feel like mhm yep and on to you mr charles yeah this episode's great um there's a lot... God, there's so much you learn about Toph in this episode. Like, her personality is made very clear. Um, why... Like, and and constantly uh, re-references Boomy's advice to him as to what his teacher will be like. And, you know, you get uh, some pretty pretty amazing visual representation of how that... You know, Toph is basically a manifestation of that ideal. Mm-hmm. Or of what Bumi would consider uh, the ideal of neutral Jing. Um, mm-hmm. I I love the uh, I guess the call scene people. The, I I love the pro wrestlers. Okay, that they, yes. they, they're wrestlers. That's what they, they totally they, yeah, are. Yeah, hundred percent. They're the boulder. The underground MMA WWE of the Avatar world. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like this episode is great. It's fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. There's, and I mean, my only small issue with it is perhaps pacing in some places, but that's mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. we can talk about that later. Yeah. So, I think both of you guys are completely right. I think this is an amazing episode for Toph. Um, and I don't want to rehash everything you guys just said. I think this is also just a re- unbelievably funny episode. Um, especially with one that kind of has a lot of work to do with, infer- you know, introducing this this iconic character. And there's just a lot of time spent on really funny stuff. The pro wrestlers are hilarious. All of Katara's interactions in, in this are mm-hmm. great. Everything that comes out of Sokka's mouth is yes. amazing. I mean, there are, like, m- many, many really quotable lines. Um, like, the writing is really top-notch. Um, and I totally... And- sorry, I, I totally forgot no, into that this was the episode with, like, I got my eye on you, and then what a trap! What a trap! It's like yes. When I saw it, yes. I was so happy. Like one of the greatest Avatar gifts of all time. Yes. Um. Yeah, 
and I think that this is just an episode that really does a good job of weaving the comedy in in a in a very legitimate way while not in any way detracting from there are some I mean this is not like the mo- like there are some unlighthearted parts of this and and we will talk about I also think it's an episode with a really good measure of like morality and and some really interesting questions um that we're going to get into so overall we'll we'll get into the episode now um right off the back I mean it just starts off so funny I mean you have Sokka and Katara shopping and and I love yeah. like their relationship there with like Katara being like the you know the boyfriend who doesn't want to be there like you should get it uh, but it's expensive. Then eh, don't then get don't it. Get it. <laughs> and like I'm like she's not really caring. She's just gonna support anything. And and Sokka's just like you know going back and forth about this this you know this bag. And I I don't know. I I love it. I love their interactions. I love like mm-hmm. Sokka who who can be the tough you know the tough guy the the kind of sexist you know guy. And then sometimes just comes off as like you know shopping yeah although the shopping line is from a different episode but it, i definitely agree it definitely shows um because i feel like some so many of the times when we're watching it we get like just caught up in these tropes that we have for these characters so to see like the duality of the characterizations and seeing their everyday interaction as brother and sister something like that is like it's such a great thing to see mm-hmm. yeah I, I i think it's great um and then Charles, you mentioned uh, mentioned the wrestlers and and just like the moment we start hearing about the boulder, the is, boulder <laughs> is amazing. Um, and then even then you and then like you we talk about like distinctions like then you also have Katara like throw you know going after these guys and you're like oh she's gonna like flirt with them and then mm-hmm. she you know ties them in ice and you know destroys them in a very entertaining like it's just it's just good comedy it's 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 mm-hmm. quick it doesn't like it doesn't linger they don't they don't hold the beat too long but it, it works really well um i also love earth rumble six partially because it also gives like a nice like this is kind of you can tell where they like where pro bending kind of came from like mm-hmm. you can really look at this and be like oh this is where you know when they wanted to create pro bending in Korra, which while i I do have issues with like there are it's not it's not the perfectly done thing it was season one of Korra you know, or book one of Korra there are you know there are problems that we'll we'll get to in a long time but <laughs> it is like it is nice to see like it is nice to see because we, we, we often see bending either used as a purely as combat for fighting wars mm-hmm. or like fighting real battles or we see it as like the noble martial art you know, for you know, we saw the beauty of the of the performance back in the North Pole or things like that. Like we, we kind of have yeah. like those two and things. And using it for and like more nice everyday life was like infrastructure almost. Yes. Yeah. And it's nice to see like bending as pure entertainment. Like mm-hmm. we see all these these earth like we see these big like battles, and for the most part, when we see battles, even the ones that are fun and lighthearted, they only, even then still have like a touch of like, well, this is kind of really important for the overall like fate of the world it's kind of nice to just see people throwing rocks at each other because they're getting paid to do it and it's funny yes um it also does a good job the tournament i think also does a good job of giving life to the earth kingdom because like a lot of time we see the earth kingdom in like i think that we talked about this once before like i think that the earth kingdom has the weakest in terms of characterization where like you can look at the, the the water tribe up north and be like very 
okay, there's all these things we know about it, even at a short time. The Fire Nation, we haven't even, like, we've barely been there, and yet we still know a ton about the way the Fire Nation functions and, and, and the way people view their government and things like that. And the Earth Kingdom, because it's so diverse and so large and, and so divided, like, you sometimes I think the Earth Kingdom gets the shortest end of the stick culturally, but it's nice to, like, this, like, gives it that, like, something very different and something that we, we don't see. Because this is not like the Agni Kais that we saw in, in the Fire Nation, yeah. the small ones, which were much more serious and, like, really big fights. Like, this is, like, a, this is just fun. And that, it just, it's very different. And I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. And I love even um, the different types of um, tropes that they have, too, in the wrestling ring. Mm-hmm. And it's, like... It's honestly so quintessential of the WWE, and the whole time I just kept watching the Boulder because he was like the top dog and everything. Obviously, like the like the one to beat and everything. I just mm-hmm. kept thinking of he's like the Earth Kingdom equivalent of John Cena. <laughs> I mean, I, I I I would think that the Rock might say to you he's the Earth Kingdom version of the Rock, but you know, no, the Boulder is different than the Rock. Okay, you mean the Pebble? Yes. Pebble. Yeah, no, I. but no, you're right. But that it, whole it, idea of, like, the... You get all these different mm-hmm. fun characters. And when, especially when they show up later on to fight um, Toph and Aang, and they just, like, all come out with their different costumes and everything, I'm like, oh my fucking god, it's just the WWE right here. <laughs> but these are real fights. Well, <laughs> cough, cough, Corey, cough, cough. Oh, wait, he's not here. <laughs> Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> full disclosure: yep. Corey is a big fan of wrestling, um, so, so it's a shame I make fun of him that a lot. he decided not to make this episode, partially yeah, because well. of WWE, which we rescheduled because he wanted to watch WWE tomorrow, and then you know, whatever. We can <laughs> stop making fun of Corey. We're not and start salty at about all. Tough. Yeah, shows up. It's tough. I, I'm, I've said like 15 times during this during this watch we like rewatch. I missed Toph, and it's like, oh, you're back. And I mean, I said when Azula was introduced back in in the in the first episode of this book, like, wow, what an amazing character introduction! Like within 30 seconds, this is an amazing character, and it's like, oh no, that was pedestrian. This is a character this introduction. This is how you do it. I mean, everything about this character, like, is just there from the... She walks on... She just walks onto this arena and you're like, yeah, that's tough. I, I gotta say, one of my favorite things about when she is introduced is um, the two side girls that are going along with her, too. Because mm-hmm. it clearly was, like, supposed to be, like, a big manly guy with the cape and the belt. And this little girl comes out with, like, the two girls on either side of her. <laughs> I just thought that was, mm-hmm. like, so perfect. Yeah, but I think Toph wouldn't have it any other way. Oh, no, not at all. Which I think is, makes it, it even more amazing. And, and it makes me think to, like, in, in Ember Island players when, when they, they, they cast Toph in the play. And, and Toph's like, that sounds like a guy. A big tough guy and everyone's like oh is she gonna be mad she goes i wouldn't have cast it any other way it's yeah like, yeah because you know that tough like that's how she sees herself mm-hmm. and it's 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 fantastic um her banter with the boulder is really good um and 
another thing that's really like we they do such an amazing job giving her her own style of yes, earthbending. Yes, definitely. Um, and obviously, it's like the, the, the seeing with earthbending is what's going to stick out. But even her movements, like everything you can tell stems from the fact that she's learning from Badger Mole. She's learning a, a different, mm-hmm. almost like, almost more like instinctive earthbending yeah. style. And I, I definitely even noticed that is that um, sometimes when it would show her form even, like typically whenever it would show the forms of the other benders very rigid like grounded like perfect angular feet and there was one scene actually where it showed her feet specifically and they were more turned inward so at first glance you have no idea that this girl can can actually like earth bend at all because her form itself it doesn't look exactly as it should be but that whole instinctual movement that she has is what really just makes it so interesting yeah. So then, they, you know, they they go outside, and you know, we get another another. We, we talked about the 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 water tribe moment. You know, what a find there that's that's really good. <laughs> but another thing about this that I think will will go a little bit on can go unnoticed, but a really like deep important part is when the the guys are talking about the Bayfongs, and they said, "Oh, well, they don't have a daughter." Mm-hmm. Um. Like that's important because of how much you like Toph is being hidden from the world. She's being, you know, she's being completely protected, and to, you know, like just throwing that in there is is a big, like it's a big tell for what we're about to see when we meet, you know, the the now other side of Toph. Mm-hmm. And I think also it's interesting that no one really knows that the Bayfongs have a daughter but at the same time there's there's a lot of people that actually do know the Bayfongs have a daughter when you think about it <laughs> like all of the guards that private tutor guy who's like the best in the Earth Kingdom supposedly um the WWE guys know like <laughs> well they well we'll discuss that in a minute because I'm not that I'm not sure about the but I mean I think that most of it's like the people who know are pretty highly paid and probably paid quite a bit to keep your mouth shut yeah i don't don't know i just still think it's a little weird though that no one i don't know but i i don't think it's a no one knows but i think it's more that the the public like yeah you know the the the, the random kids on the street i'm sure that like the more like if you're important enough to like really know the family you probably know yeah but it's like one of those things that you just like you know no one's seen her so why how would they know yeah true um, I love the name Twinkle Toes. Yes, it's, it, it it fits Aang a classic. so so very well. Um, and like it, it, and also like you see their relate like their relationship. Um, Toph and Aang's like it comes out pretty quickly. Um, like the seeds are really being sown. Like in that first in their first like dinner when they're talking, like you can see that they have a, already have a pretty combative relationship and that tough i think i wouldn't say doesn't respect ang but almost like you can tell that she has a very like a specific view of herself that kind of over I, i'm having a hard time putting it into words but like do you, you kind of understand what i'm saying like i feel yeah. like she right off the way like considers herself like almost more powerful i mean more powerful than everyone but especially mm-hmm. ang 
Yeah, I, th- I think it's definitely the fact of, like, yeah, she knows that, yeah, he's the Avatar, but, like, she's, like, she's the freaking Earthbender that can, like, kill everyone else. Like, she knows that she ha- is powerful, and she definitely knows she has the advantage over Aang. Like, that's why he's so desperate to go to her, and she totally knows that. Hmm. I don't think Aang is desperate to go to her because of how good of an Earthbender she is. I think that it, it more comes down to the fact that he believes it's faded and that it's like the whole waiting and listening thing from Boomy. I, I, yeah, but I, I'm just talking more from Toph's perspective. Yeah. No, I mean, I, 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 you're, I understand what you're seeing, but I, I, it almost like there's just you can. I just like that their relationship is already being like mm-hmm. already established, being basically. shown. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, we're going to get into it a lot more in the next two weeks with you know the chase and bitter work, where we're going to you know we're going to actually begin to see her you know teaching Ang Earth bending or. Um, just fighting with the group as a whole, but you, you're just seeing little bits of it. Um, so something that I also find really interesting about Toph in terms of like the subversion of um, of expectations, you know, Boomy throughout the whole conversation of neutral jig is talking about someone who waits and listens. And if you were to like think to yourself of what that means, like it it kind of stirs up like you know, kind of the calm old master who, you know, takes his time, waits, finds that moment to strike. And instead you get Toph who outwardly is not even remotely like that. I mean, Mm -hmm. outwardly Toph is aggressive. She's abrasive. She is, you know, she's young. But what is, I think, really great and and, and shows the the real depth of – of understanding this show can have is that, or like philosophically, is that for what what Boomy's talking about, what, the, what what defines actual neutral jig is not so much the um, the obvious. It's a, it's a little bit more subtle, and it makes sense considering Boomy is also not really the person you would think of, at least outwardly, as waiting and listening. Like he's kooky and weird and seems to do like crazy stuff for no reason but it's a much more um like internalized thing Mm -hmm. and that 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 i think is great because to me a lesser show would have either had the line about earth ang's earthbending teacher be like way more obvious about toss personality or would have been forced into Aang's earthbending teacher being this like quiet reserve you know not really doing anything kind of person and instead they find like they they subvert that while still having it come completely true Mm -hmm. Charles you've been quiet for a little while um I've I thought I had a lot to say about this episode but there's not much really like i mean I'll, we're all gonna yeah. repeat the same ideas there's not much to differentiate on here it's like, one of the things where it's like there are certain episodes that are kind of they're just really good and there's not all that much like yeah it's it's talk like, about fuck <laughs> it's a good episode guys <laughs> what do you want what like, do we do yeah, yeah. no i no, mean I, it's great that they they managed to and look, this episode is a lot about subversion, right? Um, about 
things being different from the way they would immediately seem or what you would uh, immediately think. Mm -hmm. Uh, Going back to the guitar thing, like, they even re-emphasize that by calling out to them as, hey, strong guys, Mm -hmm. uh, implying the flirting would happen, and then... uh, Not. (laughs) Yeah, well, obviously it doesn't happen, but I mean... uh, The... Shoot, I'm, I'm trying to... There's, like, a scene with the tutor, who was also the teacher at that school later on, that... Mm-hmm. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, there, there's a lot of interesting... There, there's a lot of great things about the episode and yeah. how it's well written to tie in with ones before and after um yeah i'm i'm especially if, well i'm i'm fond of the ending and mm-hmm. how that sets up the next episode well but mm-hmm. we'll uh, we'll get there yeah um to go back to just like fawning over things this episode does amazingly um i also love how toffs like how well they visually show toff where she holds her like you can just like her posture and the way she walks and holds herself um is really like different when she's alone with ang like when they're walking in the courtyard it's so different from when she was you know sitting at the table and like you can see how much toff is putting on a mask in order to hide her true self from her parents while when she can and when she has the freedom to exhibiting like this totally different personality and obviously like you know you you can say that like oh of course she does she you know goes out and becomes a blind bandit and fights but like they go a step further and and you can just see it in the way she's walking and that's like a great like another great um like visually thing that this that they that they do Mm -hmm. now obviously any discussion of toff is is going to get into the idea of of seeing with earthbending and i really really like it i think that it makes complete sense with what we know about earthbending um i think that it um it it works within this world um and i like that it's something that they kind of hold until you know not about halfway i mean think about it we're almost halfway through um the show you know a little bit you know a little bit less than halfway through the show Mm -hmm. and but like this is good, like this is a pretty major concept, and in the end, like when you get right down to it, like this is actually how Ang ends up defeating Ozai. Like in that last moment, there is the he does use the the ability to see with um, you know see through the earth and feel the vibrations. Wait, what? And you don't remember that? No, I I remember Ozai's dumpstering him, and then <laughs> accidentally. He gets his chakra Yeah, well, no, fixed. once he... Well, yeah, once he goes to the Avatar State, but after, at the end of it, when he's, like, about to, um... Like, he looks like he has Ozai beaten. Ozai goes to strike him one more time, and Aang senses it through the earth. Oh. It's, like, the very last moments of the fight. Yeah, yeah, right before they get into the energy-bending thing. But, okay. Yes. Right. Um... So like obviously it's a I'm just saying it's a, it's a big deal to more than just Toph like this is a pretty major concept, um, and I think they do a good job of introducing it here. Um, I, I think Toph's speech is, you know, it, it 
it works on multiple levels. It's both explaining what like what or what and how she does things, while also giving us insight into her character and the way she's um, the way she's been raised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think the one complaint that I have about this episode is the in between. So in this moment when the you know the rest of um, the Earth Rumble crew show up and, and, and kidnap them. To me, that felt a little bit convenient mm-hmm. because, like, no one's supposed to know who the blind bandit is. They didn't know that Aang was the Avatar. It's not like they were tracking the Avatar. It feels a little bit like, how exactly did they set up pretty complicated metal traps and know where they are and have it work? Like, it just it felt a little bit off to me. A little convenient. Yes. And I know it's in service of a real like of, of a good like fight and, and, and some really interesting mm-hmm. stuff. So like I'm not it's not the worst thing in the world. But the approach but itself could have It yeah. does. It's the one thing about this episode that I think really kind of misses the mark. And I'm like I'm just like sitting there going, How in the world did they pull that off? Especially considering we know the Bayfongs have pretty serious security. Do they? I mean, clearly, got a lot of guards, clearly not. <laughs> yeah. We, if it we was this easy to break onto their property, you'd think they'd be robbed a lot more. You don't look. You're saying that nine expert level earthbenders or, are storming your property, and you'd be able to defend it easily. No. Or, or there could be also the um, almost like a charade of superiority and power. And everyone's like, oh shit, like, they're the Bayfongs. Like, you don't want to fuck with them because they must have so much security. And clearly not. <laughs> but if if it was that, like, I don't know. that it, it, Regardless, it, it just, someone done fucked yeah. up. <laughs> someone fucked up and I don't know. And now Toss Bayfong was kidnapped with the Is Avatar. it the worst thing in the world? No. No. But it's just like annoying. In an otherwise flawless episode, it does kind of stand out as the one real. Eh. Mm-hmm. I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if only Toph could metal bend already, this would be completely not a problem. Mm-hmm. There was a brief moment too where I thought she was going to metal bend, and then I remembered I was like, "Wait, no, she's not. She's not there yet. God damn it!" <laughs> she doesn't know how to do that yet. Yet. Um, Although, if she but throwing did, it would she have gone with Aang? Probably not. I don't know. Yeah, probably not. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe it's a good thing. Yeah. Um, Sokka has, has just that one final I can't believe it. I have the Boulder's autograph. <laughs> it is a little bit like, dude, your, your, your friend was just kidnapped, but at the same time, it's Aang. Mm-hmm. It's kinda, I, I, feel like, I feel like at this point, Sokka's like, well, he wasn't kidnapped by the Fire Nation. Eh, we'll get him back. What does it matter? Mm-hmm. It's like, he, he'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Once they, once they get to the arena, though, there was a moment of me being like, you know, Katara could take him. Like, Katara is pretty fucking powerful mm-hmm. at this point. Like... Could you want to like? I know that in the end, obviously, Top like tells them to back off, but it's like I feel like Katara could have like could have put up a bit I, more of a fight. I huh? definitely would have liked to see her like go more at him. That would have been really interesting to watch. Uh, I'm gonna disagree, actually. Uh, just along the, the 
the uh, thought line that they're underground in a relatively dry area with little access to water. So all she's got mm -hmm. is what's in the pouch. Mm -hmm. Like, she can't really bust out the, uh... Or, maybe she could reach down into groundwater. She, uh, she's not that... <laughs> <laughs> she's not that yeah. good yet, I'm pretty sure. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> Hopeful thinking, I, I, I'm sorry. Probably not. Uh, no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying Katara, you know, would have just easily won the way Toph did. It just, there, is, there was a part of me that's like, Katara, you're, you're fucking Aang's teacher too. Like, come on. Come on now. Um, once once Toph does um, join the fight, the I, it's also just like another they do like a very another great job of of showing Toph's style. Um, I love her using the um, the dust to her advantage because she can use the fact that she has the sight advantage there because you know her opponents cannot see in the earth and she can. Um, I think it's just like it, it, it shows how much like she has um like how in tune with the earth she is and how in tune with with what her own advantages they are mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and you also get the sense that it's that it is a little bit more than just seeing with the earth um there's a point when when the the guy on the the chain is, is swinging around to, to get her and like you can see the ear twitch and, and you can tell that like it's also hearing um so I, I like that it isn't just oh i can like i like i'm not blind i just happen to see a different way like it is a little bit more complicated than just that and like we will like obviously we do see throughout that you know she can't read she can't you know, you know there are some things she cannot actually do um and i i like that as well uh that that it that it is well, I wouldn't call it a handicap. It, it is more than just, oh, I happen to see differently than you do. Once once they get back to the um, to the Beifong estate, um, we get we get one a really powerful line from Toph. You know, when she says, "I'm 12 years old and I've never had a real friend." I mean, that's a mm -hmm. that's a pretty like, especially in a show that you can like treats friendship so importantly and 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 like really focuses on that like you can tell how much that's like a really major tragedy mm -hmm. yeah um it's pretty depressing <laughs> now, now the one thing i want to really dive into is uh toss father mm -hmm. and obviously they spent like they really want to set it up as him being like crazy overprotective uh, you know to a point where it's like he's suffocating and 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 really like negatively impacting Toph. Um, but I, there is a part of me that does get it and does look at it and say, well, you are in a world where I doubt people who are blind are, are have really have the ability to do all that much. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, there really isn't the same, you know, degree of like, you know, today where you can, um, you know, we have, you know, We've built, you know, we've built a society where we can kind of, you know, help people along in certain situations. I, I like, I have this, like, this almost sense. It's like, you know, if Toph wasn't born into a very rich family and, and wasn't, you know, given the some of the advantages that she was, you know, does a blind person survive that well in this society? So I kind of don't totally mm -hmm. blame her father for being as overprotective as he is. He goes too far, but you know, 
does he? Well, that's the question I'm asking. Do you do you think? Because I, d- I definitely do agree with you, Mark, in the fact of, well, yeah, your only daughter is blind. Like, it's a fucking cruel world out there. So you don't really know like what can happen to her. But at the same time, and going back to the point that we made earlier of not many people or if like who whoever does know that the Beifongs have a daughter like that whole secrecy of it you know what I mean like you can want to protect your daughter but not letting people really know that she exists in the effort to protect someone I feel like that ends up taking away from their like ability to really live their life because they don't get to live there. She's just constantly shrouded away, like in mystery, like unable to communicate with anyone. So that for me is, I think that's where it gets too extreme. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Charles? No, I'm fine with it. You- <laughs> what? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Asian families used to do that a lot. <laughs> So, there we you know, go. That's it. <laughs> you said you said it, not me. You said it, not me. We're moving. <laughs> no. Well, no, okay. But, um, so we know how you're going to father your children. So. <laughs> no, 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 no. No. Like to Happy do that Father's in our Happy own society, Father's you pretty much have to be. You pretty much have to have your net worth in the couple hundreds of billions of dollars. Hundreds of billions? No one has net worth in the hundreds of billions. You'd be surprised. Yeah. Um, and obviously, it's those people who would, you know, go to such an extreme, because when they pass and their kids have all of the money, they can do whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um, just not letting them get assassinated or kidnapped or, etc. While they are young, is certainly a priority. And uh, those are things that happen. If, mm-hmm. After you pass a certain amount of wealth, security does become a an issue. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I mean, I also I kind of get no, no. it from. I mean, mm-hmm. in addition, uh, blind people in the Avatar world are not likely to, you know, survive well. And until this moment, her father has not known that she's capable of. Yeah, you know, being in any way, shape, or form self-sufficient, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if we're talking about basing the judgment on prior information, where he thinks that not only is she blind, she also hasn't demonstrated any, you know, aptitude for being able to survive on her. Yeah, I, I kind of get it. But I, I kind of no. Well, sorry. Let me, let me ask a follow-up. Or right, go ahead, Lens. Just kind of going back to what you're saying, though, is that so he's never seen her show the aptitude right but at the same time his conversation that he has with the with the her air with her earthbending master is essentially saying i just want to make sure you're not letting her really do like anything like legit right and the guy's like nope no we're just working on breathing and basic forms like so he doesn't really even give her the chance to ever show that she can. But let, let me ask let me ask this follow up. What if Toph 
Because I, I think, at least it seems like to me, Toph plays it quite a bit. Like, she, I, it feels like, and like I said before, like, you can see the way she carries herself. Like, if, let's say, Toph didn't act the way she did around her parents and the guards and was like, I mean, she could pretty easily be like, dude, I can earthbend. Like, you know, do you think that if that would have changed things a lot, like, because I do kind of also get the sense, because you, you see it in that first, um, you know, when when Aang first goes over the gates and, you know, when Toph starts going, guards, I, I got scared. Like, yeah. it does seem like Toph is playing it because she knows that's what they want to hear. And I think that part of it's, well, if, if, if he thinks that I'm helpless, he won't expect me to be sneaking off and, mm-hmm. you know, becoming the blind bandit. But, like, I wonder if Toph had, you know, from basically from day one never accepted the helplessness and just like been like i'm fine i'm gonna act the way she acts around the whole gang like would would he be different because i kind of think he would i don't really know i'm gonna give the benefit of the doubt and say if the father had had time to like, even in real life where, you know, some celebrity or their kids or whatever are ridiculously isolated or protected or whatever. Like, uh, I'm sure you've heard of the um, the children who, you know, go to, like, pre-Ivy middle schools and high schools and only associate with... How about pre-Ivy uh, nursery schools? Those exist, you know? <laughs> I know. Yes, they I'm do. not making a joke. I know that they exist. Yeah, so, uh, like, there, it's that strata of, you know, wealth, right? Well, arguably even even more so, since it's implied that the Bayfons are the richest people in the Earth Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Or, in this episode, that's implied. Um, I mean... But even then, given that, right, you still kind of adjust to your kids over time. So had Toph not put on the mask for this many years, uh, I think her father might have come around to maybe not allowing as much freedom as she wants, but more than she has, and Mm -hmm. certainly more than she's getting in the scene we're discussing when he's saying, no, she needs to be under 24-hour watch. Um. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, for the story itself, it's, it, it might actually be a good thing because you can kind of imagine a world where maybe Toph has a little bit more freedom and then doesn't feel the need to run away and, you know, doesn't feel the need to, to go with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, that, that certainly is a possibility. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, com- I doubt it's completely true, but it, it, it it's at least, you know, something. Um, I, I just bring it up because I think that it's... Yeah, I you see that the they treat um like they really treat her in this episode or her father in this episode as like you know very overbearing, very overprotective. But we don't I don't think we get to see enough of Toph and his interactions where it's not like this has been this constant fight over the years where Toph is always saying like oh I can do more and her father's like you know maybe they did maybe they had that history and eventually she just accepted it. But like we don't entirely know and I don't want to. I don't want to cast too much judgment upon him Mm -hmm. 
um, without, you know, without at least admitting that, you know, when it comes to a father trying to protect his daughter, there, there's going to be a reason for it. Yeah. I'd also like to say she's 12. <laughs> what parent in their right mind lets their 12-year-old child out in the world on their own? What, the what parent in their right mind while, would not let their child out in the while world? While you are completely no, no, right. I, I mean, like, I, I don't mean, like, out in the world, like, in their town. Sure, that's one thing. I mean, like, <laughs> out in the world to on the top of a thing. flying bison with only other teenagers. Are, are you telling me while you are, that you would not well, allow your child to do that because i totally would dude dude, i'm not a pokemon parent no (laughs) while you are right and you bring up pokemon i think that you have to keep in mind that we are living in a world where it does seem like age is a little bit different than it is in our world um no uh does it it seems that there way. Does it, no, not it seems to be it, it a seems problem. That way. It seems that way from our main characters, but look at the other average people, and does it? Really... Other than in the Earth Kingdom, where it seems like kids are going to school. What? I... <laughs> they and have school. The Water Tribe. They yes. have education. And the Fire Nation. They do. What? Yeah, what I'm saying is, I think that we have to. Like sometimes it, it can be very easy to get caught up in like. Ages. I mean, hey, Romeo and Juliet were 13 and 14 years old. I know. It's so that disturbing. was a function of the average lifespan of the time when Shakespeare <laughs> wrote those plays. Okay, come on now. You know this. We we might see a lot of old people in this show, but... They're a rarity. They do all know each other. Doesn't that kind of make it seem like there aren't that many old people in this actual society? Or maybe because they all know each other they're a secret cult we know they're a, they're a cult. cult they're a society like, of pie show players like the lotus people but of specifically old people what do you mean i, spe- I don't know no white lotus members I'm who sorry, are young who are old. i don't know <laughs> it's fine different old people i don't know <laughs> uh, no I, i'm just i mean i'll, I'll I, grant I, you that but like you look at the northern water tribe right you know, the people there are pretty much in training in some regard until they're late teens. Like, uh, in Aang and Katara's class, they're youngest pupils by a pretty significant margin from what I remember. But they're also getting married at 16. <laughs> yeah, well, Princess Yue was getting married at 16, okay? <laughs> we, we okay, so it's still acceptable in society. I mean, I'm just, I'm not disagreeing with you. You are right. And Toph is very young, and it does come out. I mean, we're going to see it next episode where I think we do get a pretty clear taste of Toph's maturity level. I'm just – I just want to be careful because sometimes you can look at the ages and be like, wait, Aang's 12. How could Aang have any romantic feelings? 12-year-olds are 12. Like, eh, we are in a world where you're becoming – there's a reason that adulthood in in ancient Judaism is 13 and 12 and a half for girls. Like – we are in a pretty different like we are in a different society and because of the fact that I, you know we don't you just kind of have to take things as they go so i'm not you're right that that you know i i'm not i'm not expecting any father to be like yeah go train with the you know go train the avatar and travel have around fun on a bison. fighting the evil warlord fire 
King. Go, go collect and the clearly eight traveled the world and... quite a bit. Yes, go collect the eight badges and then eight more and then eight more and then on and on. And become Melon Lord. Until you've become Melon Lord. <laughs> so the final scene of the of, of it is um his Toss father paying uh Shin Fu and um whatever the master's name is, I don't remember his name. Um gold to, to track down Toph and and them. Um, and obviously this is you know is going to be a pretty big deal in that it you know it, it sets up some some pretty major stuff for the finale and is the catalyst to teaching um, Toph how to how to metal bend and there is there is a kind of interesting little bit of irony that you know in in on some level Toph's father facilitates this the setup for the for Toph to unlock her like greatest skill mm-hmm. um, but. I, I do I do like the um, you know showing that in the end like money is kind of what's driving people and and you can you can take two very different people and kind of just be like well here's a ton of gold and then they're gonna do what you want. I mean, for them it'd be pretty clear, right? Because one ran the wrestling or the underground bending scene. And the other one yep. is actually directly on the Beifong's payroll already. So yeah, no. Could could you like... ha- could, would they have done that in the Fire Nation? Would he have been able to pay like Fire Army people off to do something? Yes, like that? we see it. We see Ta- uh, Zuko pay off uh, Sparky Sparky Boom Man. Sparky to, Sparky uh... Boom Man. No, no, but he's a mercenary. So... That that's different. I mean, like. Um, you know how later on the um, Fire Nation soldiers seem kind of, or some of them seem kind of zealot, zealous, zealot. They they are zealots, I guess. You do. Um. Yeah. You don't get that impression when Ozai declares himself Phoenix Lord about the people on I the guess, airships a little bit. Because yeah, like guess. logically. They should know that this is a terrible idea. He is going to burn the entire world and claim it all. But then there's yeah. nothing. Okay, more. Yeah, okay. <laughs> You're right, yeah. Yeah, so like some people, you know, the money's certainly a motivator for uh, people that aren't like that. But um, at the same time, this is a world where some people will just fight for, you know, other, what they believe in to be romantic well, about it. To to quote the spy master Lord Varus, power resides where men believe it resides. Like it it depends on like it, for these two people for them money is is what drives them, and then for others love of country or love of uh, love of their leader is what drives them, and for others it's you know. Oh yeah, no, no I, different I, things. Yeah. That's no, I agree with that entirely. I'm just saying, like, uh, it works here, and it's obvious that it would work because we know oh, at least a little bit of their backgrounds, and it kind of makes sense. But it's, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, it fits here, but it may not. It wouldn't have worked if you say uh, messed with the situation a little bit. And I mean, hey, 
to in some ways you do see a little bit of analogous when Zuko does hire you know uh, Combustion Man and 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 he's he's telling him to stop like if you had told Shinfu and the Boulder I'll pay you or Shinfu and the Master not the Boulder uh, I'll pay you double to not kill them like they would have been like okay sure pay us double like they they wouldn't have stopped so like there is a difference I do think that like. These are people who are probably not really dedicated to their work so much as just dedicated to their gold. Yeah. Oof. Okay. So with that, we are going to wrap things up and get into our ratings um, and final thoughts for this episode. Oh, wait. So, Hang on. Yep. There are one. Charles has something to say. Two things. Yep. One, the scene where... Uh, where... Um... God. Uh, where Sokka throws down the belt. It's really funny. Yes. That, that is, <laughs> yes, it is. That is the great... Second, I, I didn't think about this before, but isn't riding on... Like, isn't riding an Appa for the first time traumatic? For Toph? Yeah, she hates riding on Appa. There was, Although but... I think... I mean, like the most traumatic was flying without a saddle. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, like it—it's—it's it's not. I, I don't think it's tended this way, but uh, it kind of demonstrates just how much she wants freedom that she'll even do something that, like, so severely discomforts her in order to get it. Yeah, but I also think she's kind of fearless, and I—I I almost think that even though it is like really uncomfortable, I feel like she would view that as almost a um not a positive but like a, a challenge you know, a, a bit of a badge of honor to like being able to do it okay that's fair yeah all right so now we will finish up with our with our final thoughts and our rating so uh Linz, why don't you you kick things off your final thoughts and your rating for the blind bandit blind bandit okay so really like this episode as we clearly made known um great introduction of the character of Toph the the humor especially was like spot on and I don't think we really discussed too much but Sokka's reactions the whole time that he was wrestling like that that all the wrestling was happening was just amazing and it was so funny to watch um I I really don't have much bad to say and I think it definitely it, it gets you hyped up to see Toph now joining this group of people who we've had like so long to get used to like only the three of them so, so to have like another character come into it it you definitely know like things are going to happen and like you are, you're excited to see like the new um, interaction between all of them and then with how it leaves off with uh, Toph's father um, hiring them it the uh the mercenary like not mercenary uh the wrestler and the trainer guy whatever like then it gets you even more excited for the next coming episodes in which you're gonna have them come back and you're going to kind of probably then like see more of Toph's storyline closing up and I think it's just a really really strong episode so I'm gonna have to give it a 9.4 okay Charles um, yeah, I pretty much think the same. It's a really strong episode overall. There are some small bits here and there that I'm not too fond of. Um, but I understand why they're in the episode. It's just not my personal preference. 
Um, an example is the scene where Sakuga does the water tribe thing. There's like one moment where they make the uh, the camera fisheye, or the point of view mm-hmm. fisheye, and then the rest of it is just the way Avatar is normally animated, and it's really mm-hmm. weird because there's no reason why they would change the, you know, why it was like bent or curves for that one moment. Yeah. Um, not that that's a big thing, but you know, there's some minor things. Uh, I didn't know how necessary the whole like setting up the whole school thing was at the start. Um, I obviously it's because Aang is trying to find an earthbending teacher, but still. Um, and then, uh, like, I guess the one big bone I, if any, I'd have to pick is that like, in some ways, this episode for Toph runs through the plot of the Mulan movie in about <laughs> ten minutes. That's amazing. Minutes. That's a f- okay. That was great. I love it. um and that's not like a bad thing it's just like when you when perceiving it that way it made the pacing feel a little bit weird but then Mm -hmm. like so to prep for this episode i watched the episode or rewatched the episode twice and Mm -hmm. uh the second time was critical and the first time was just to refresh my brain so i noticed these things the second time rewatching it the first time when i was you know, be watching it just to remember exactly what happened in the episode. I was like, what? I didn't really notice that, so I guess mm-hmm. it's, you know, not something that disturbs uh, you when watching much at all. Yeah. All in all, I'm gonna give, I'll give the episode a 9.5. I think it's fantastic. It's not quite as like choreographed uh, as, let's say, last season's finale or the or the storm but it it's pretty close yeah um for reference you gave the storm a 9.5 that's Ooh. I, I gave it a 9.8 huh no Corey gave it a 9.8 Lindsay gave it a 9.6 I gave it a 9.5 Our I second I, highest or third highest rated episode for our group. I mean, I know we did the finales at pretty much or the finale at pretty much a ten across the board for the finale second was part. Part two, uh, I gave it a ten. You gave it a nine point nine. Corey gave it a ten, and Lindsay gave it a nine point two. Oh, weird. I, I, and the finale, but the finale overall was a ten across the board for everyone. Yeah, because we all said it was better as like a two part, you know, as a together as it was individually. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Weird. I thought I gave another episode above a nine point five. I guess not. But um, yeah, this episode is your, great. <laughs> you gave a nine. You gave a nine three to uh, eighteen, or with uh, was it the waterbending master? Uh, and you gave a 9-3 to Deserter. Yeah. And you gave a 9-3 to um, uh, Southern Air Temple. Those are your highest rated episodes. What did I give for the um, opening? A 9? 
Uh, I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah, nine. The first episode was a nine. Okay. Okay. Sorry about all that number stuff. Um, <laughs> Numbers. All right. Ew. So my, um, I echo everything. I think that this is is an absolutely phenomenal episode. I'm going to say this. I think this is the best standalone episode we've seen. Um, when I say standalone, like obviously the finales are in a little bit of a different class, uh, just because they can be. But to put it in context, I actually before start like rewatching this show for this podcast had just kind of in my head ranked the top ten episodes that I thought of within um, with within Avatar and Blind Bandit was what I thought of as the fifth best episode. No, I'm not big on on doing like lists uh, in terms of like ranking them in, in in order because I think that just because something is like. A really like in the top end of a show doesn't really mean much because it all depends on the show like you know the, the best episode of a bad show might be worse than the fifth worst episode of a great mm-hmm. show but i do think that it, it does speak to how much i've always liked this episode um and i think that this is the be- the second best standalone episode of the series um we will get to what i think is the best one um potentially very soon um but mm. i i I really like this episode, and then as a result, I'm going to give this a 9.9. 9. Um, I'm really, I'm only docking points for the final that that moment when they get captured, where I thought it was a little bit like too uh, convenient. But other than that, I don't have any other problems with this episode. Um, and in order to get to that that like above the 9.5 tier for me, you have to do something truly spectacular. And Toff's introduction is truly something special and if if you're if you're looking to create a show and you want to know how to introduce a character halfway through the show and make them one of these like this this incredibly iconic important character this is how you do it and i just give them an an incredible you know just just all the credit that they can um for designing this character and and putting it in right away and being ready to just hit the ground running so i i i really stand by i think this is this is one of the 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 truly spectacular episodes of this show um and and we'll give it that rating for that reason so with that we are going to end this episode i want to thank you guys for tuning in i want to thank uh lindsey and charles for being here on my panel as per always, you can follow us on social media. Um, you can follow the show itself at Aunt underscore pod. You can follow me on Twitter at stack underscore mode. Both of those are going to be in the episode description. So you can see that whether you're watching on SoundCloud or Twitter or uh, Stitcher or iTunes or wherever um, you get your podcasts. Um, be ready. We should be back on our regular schedule. Um, so we will be back next week with our next episode, which is another episode people are very uh, excited about I think um, because it's one of the more uh, actually I'd say one of the most iconic episodes of of this series so it's uh, we've got a nice little run here nice <laughs> little run here um, and then once we finish that we'll be really into the meat of uh, of book two getting into Bossing Say so um, you know really looking forward to, to, to some of the some of the really cool stuff that we have coming um, we might be doing some we other tea yeah Yes, and um, hopefully we should have uh, some fun stuff. We have some some really fun returning guests coming up soon, uh, as well as potentially some new ones. So look forward to that. Um, anything that you guys would like to say? 
I'll take that as a no. So with that, flame burns for the flame burns for the. But yeah. Do, all right. Serious yep. question. All right. Serious question. What's up, Charles? Do, do you think the boulder has spoken like that so much that it it's like a tick now? And yes. <laughs> Remember, he does show up again. Now, I know he shows up during the Fire Nation invasion, which is why I asked the question. <laughs> like... He still says it. I mean, even Hippo. We didn't even mention the Hippo. The Hippo is amazing. I love him. He's just so fat and he... cuddly. <laughs> they do. Hippo, happy to see Blind Bandit. That wasn't really a good Hippo voice. That sounded too piratey, but... I'm not good at I'm not good at impressions. Um thank you. All right, thanks everyone.